Hello and welcome to I'm a Fan of That, a podcast about all things fandom told through objects, stories, and studies with a bit of silliness along the way. Your hosts on this journey are pop culture writer, journalist, and cosplay expert Holly Swinyard and myself, Viviana Simos, a public anthropologist and pop culture academic with a PhD in religion and popular culture. Join us as we wander down the incredible and intriguing path into fan culture, its history, the people who make it up, and the way that we look at this ever-growing part of our society. Fair warning, we may talk about some adult themes, use some adult language, and possibly get a little bit nerdy about the whole thing. You have been warned. I'm Vivian Asimos. And I'm Holly Swinyard. And welcome to I'm a Fan of That, where we talk about the wonderfully complicated worlds of fandom all through the objects that we love. I feel and like I should... Oh, <laughs> I did it! Sorry. I was going to say that I feel like I should mess up the intro for you because uh, that's now my job, is to ruin <laughs> the intro every single time, and I did! It's great. <laughs> so um, today we're going to play the, the segment, What is Vivian Wearing Today?, which we will not do very often. <laughs> Um, but uh, I'm wearing a scarf today, and I should probably actually take it off so you can see it a bit better. It's cool. Um, but I actually knitted this, I think, when I was in high school? Damn. Either high school or undergrad. Somewhere in that phase of my life. Um, and I will try my best to describe this to people. But there is a tree of Gondor on either side of the scarf. And then on the middle bit, it is the words that are on the one ring, because we are contractually obligated to talk about Tolkien at least once every episode. Yep. Um, and this is also a what's called a double knit scarf. So, so it is blue background, white writing on one side, and on the other side, it's white background with blue writing. I'm honestly quite jealous. That's so, very cool. Yes, it was. It took me a while. <laughs> I can imagine. But I, I had a really great time with it. I was going to ask, why are we talking about your scarf today? Right. We're going to talk about communities of creativity in regards to fandom. But I want to specify, there are a lot of things in involved in this. And I think there's the three big ones that everyone would know, which is like the... I'm going to say fan art, but I think there's a very specific type of art that people are thinking of. Yes. Visual art, your very basic sort of... Basic, that's not what I mean. Like drawings, drawings 2D, digital, and traditional. Um, There's a lot of talent and stuff in there, but we could do a whole episode just of that. Yes, these are all things that we could... Each of these big ones, we could probably spend multiple episodes talking about different dynamics of it. So Um, we're not ignoring you. (laughs) There's obviously also fan fiction, so for the writer, artistic sides of things, and then also um, cosplay for sewing and performance of that. And, I mean, both of us know we could do multiple episodes on cosplay. <laughs> um, and the same could be said for, for the others. But I think sometimes some of the other types of creativity can get lost in the big the big ones. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of wanted to pause and pull out things like knitting yeah. and cross-stitching and the weird... The weird worlds of embroidery and stuff that I'm into. Because <laughs> I'd really like to talk about things like, I am a big fan of Nerdcore, which at some point we will do a whole episode on, but I do want to touch on it in this one. Uh, I love 
uh, AMVs, music videos, all that kind of stuff. I really like that those other forms of digital creation that we're seeing becoming bigger and bigger and bigger, um, particularly because of YouTube and TikTok. I think they're great. So I really am excited to talk about those bits um, to see like that because you have like a huge like the traditional crafts and these digital crafts that sort of complement each other in many ways, mm. but are so distinctly different, but at the same time, very, very similar and kind of tapping into the same things. So I... I'm buzzing. I'm buzzing. <laughs> so do you have any uh, personal experiences with knitting yourself out of curiosity? Yes, and being very bad at it. I can't, I, I can't cast on. If someone does it for me, I, I can go slowly. Um, but I have not taken the time to... I got very frustrated by it, shall we say, and then <laughs> never started again. I should try to. Sh- I have a really weird way of casting on that I've never seen anyone else do. I feel if someone just sat with me for maybe a day and just kind of got me through that initial thing, I'd be like, "Oh yeah, this is fine," and I'd be off. But it's it's kind of that first thing, and I don't. Nobody's taken the time to really show me. It's more just been me. Like, is this? I'm not very good with chopsticks either. I feel like maybe I'm just not very dexterous <laughs> with sticks. Um, I don't know. Um, but I have got. So I actually I was going to bring it with me, and I forgot. I have a crocheted agent callus from star wars rebels because i'm a nerd that uh, a friend of mine's mother made for me she's an incredible crocheter and over lockdown um i think she was bored or going mad i don't know but each of us in our friendship group got a a crocheted character of you know that she picked for us so i got that and uh, my other half got another character from rebels um and things like that it was great fun it was really cool to see these and she also made me which is not a nerdy thing and for some reason is not in my office despite the fact that it lives in here uh, um, a shawl that's moth wings so she is Ooh. she's a very talented lady so i've i've done i haven't personally done very much but i know a lot of people who do um i i have there's a podcast i listen to which is deeply sporadic which is all about wool uh <laughs> <I> quite enjoy <laughs> um and I am very jealous of people who can do fibre crafts because I sew, we know this. I sew a lot. Uh, I embroider. I'm, I'm quite good at embroidery. My sister likes embroidery. Uh, but yeah, like sort of the fibre crafts of wool and felt and uh, no. Uh, no, they are not for me, unfortunately. <laughs> I got into knitting when I was in high school. Um, there was an after school. There's one of the clubs. I was in in many clubs but um one of the clubs that i was in met like once or twice a week we just hung out it was like five or six of us it was a really small group and we would just hang out in a teacher's classroom and we were the knitting club but our name was extreme knitting (laughs) (laughs) and we had t-shirts made that was a skull and crossbones but where the crossbones were knitting needles that's so cute i love Uh, the fact that despite that we met aged like what 28 29 um not to give our ages away we're old but um i i love the fact that we definitely would have been friends in high school oh yeah we would have been sitting in that classroom together, <laughs> together yeah. learning how to knit um but yeah I le- so i learned how to knit from just some other high school kid and so some of the techniques and stuff that i use are apparently not the way you're technically supposed to do things because i learned just yeah. from some other 16 year old <laughs> but that's how also i learned to sew was from various members of my family and friends and all that kind of stuff so i don't do anything right like yeah there's been i've been asked to do like two like panels and stuff at conventions about like getting started in sewing and i'm literally like i am not the person to do that 
I'm like I'm very flattered, but no. Let me let me introduce you to these much more talented and useful people who actually know how to do it properly, because I will teach everyone my weird little halfway house version <laughs> that I will never ever like admit to some of the bad behaviors that I have now that I know they're wrong ever. <laughs> they're terrible. I, I I really enjoy knitting. I think it's really fun, but I didn't. I never really enjoy it as much as when I'm making something like this scarf. Mm. Uh, there's something about making something in connection to, as opposed to, I mean, I can make just like a plain old scarf or the first version of double knitting that I did was like in an Argyle design, mm. which was all right. And it yeah. was fun to see that I can do the technique, but like, this is way cooler than an yes. Argyle design. You and know what it, I mean? It's interesting you say that because actually I have exactly the same thing that I... I love create, being creative, I love sewing, I love embroidery and all this sort of stuff, but I will never sit and enjoy it as much as when I'm like, the end goal of this is going to be either A, a cool, I, like, I like vintage clothing and so often I have to make my own, um, so it's going to be something like that, or it's going to be a costume. I said we weren't going to talk about cosplay, but I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but like, I, I get it that actually I don't really want to sit and just sew for the sake of sewing, I don't necessarily find that pleasurable. I enjoy, like you said, the act of making something that is connected to things I love. And that being, and doing that well, I love that. That for me is so, so much part of it. And I think that is what we kind of wanted to talk about is the the, the mm. connection point of doing a craft and it linking up with other elements of what, what you enjoy. I mean, we talk a lot about fandom as this kind of community thing. Mm. And crafting has a really similar, you know, we were talking about how, you know, you learned from your family. I learned from other teenagers, <laughs> <laughs> which you probably had way less experience than your family did in the craft. But um, there is that that process of you kind of, I, I mean, I connected with people who were, most of them were also nerds, but I didn't meet them through, say, Tolkien or, mm. you know, something else. I met them through knitting. And then they also talked a lot about Tolkien while we yeah. were there. And then I went, oh, you're a nerd too, because of course. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that the sense of kind of communal gathering, that when you can kind of mash those up at the same time. So when it's not just... The people that taught you how to knit but don't know what you're talking about with anime um but when you meet that person that also knows what you're talking about with knitting and also really loves anime that suddenly there's like this this magic yeah <laughs> that absolutely. happens because i think my terrible analogy for this when we were talking about what you're gonna do is it's a bit like like okay my family are all scientists, so if I go down a weird science analogy for something, this is why, because I'm the only one who isn't. <laughs> um, but when you kind of get atoms together and all that sort of stuff, and you suddenly have, like, two, and they pair together, and then you get another arm and they pair together, they become more stable. So the more links you have to each other through various different ways, you are a more stable thing. And so if you have, I like knitting, but the people I'm knitting with don't like anime you're going to kind of feel a bit like, oh yeah, I'm part of this, but I'm sort of not, I don't feel as connected to them as I might do until you find the knitters who like anime and, and you bond together and you suddenly are a much more stable thing because you have two points of connection with them rather than just one. And I think the more of those points of connection you end up having, so if you have 
knitters who like anime who also happen to be people who have gone to a certain school and it's a very small one or people who are part of a certain other community like maybe the LGBT community or something you end up with more structural links than that person and you tend I'm not saying entirely like you could have somebody who on paper you should be best as buddies in the whole world they're too close so you hate vibe yeah exactly like oh no you're like mirror me (laughs) damn it uh (laughs) you've got a beard and a slutty outfit um that is such a Star Trek reference. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, we got nerdy. But you know what I mean? Like that thing of like, the more you, you can match up with somebody, the more likely it is that that person's going to be, you're going to get much closer. And so if you have the, the anime club that also knits, you're all going to be, oh, I love anime. I love knitting. Awesome. You're going to be so much more inclined to go to that than maybe the the group that doesn't talk about anime. <laughs> Well, and you and you end up growing together in the in all of those different formats uh, or mm. let's say formats. Oh my God, what is wrong with me? In um, all of those different <laughs> like linkages, you you grow in those because you have yeah. that person that you kind of wants to go go back to. And I know that when I haven't knitted in a while, but it's because I don't have that community to go back to, and therefore encourages me to knit and to try something new and to. How about, you know, oh, I saw this thing and isn't that cool? And if you did that with a Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. scarf, wouldn't that be rad? And and then I go, oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. You know, that's, you don't have that connection. and You don't have the bouncing off it either. Because, like, there are people who thrive by creating in their own space, on their own, and all that kind of stuff. Those, those people definitely exist. But I think for a lot of people, having your community with you to be like, I've done this and I'm not really sure where to go with it next. Or somebody else being like, Oh my God, you, that would look so cool with, with the tree of Gondor or uh, the map of uh, middle earth or something on it, you know, and to inspire you in that way is you do actually need other people in that connection to trigger your new thoughts, you know, because otherwise there are people who don't need that. But for a lot of us, you do, you need someone to be like, Hey, I've had a really cool idea. (laughs) Let's do something chaotic together. Which definitely isn't how this podcast came about. Uh, I would, yeah, I really, I think that's part of it. Like, I know that over lockdown, I barely made anything. Um, I was really burnt out anyway for various reasons. And I just didn't make any cosplay. Like, loads of my friends were being like, oh my God, we've got all this time. I don't have to go to work. I'm furloughed. I'm going to, like, make loads of stuff. And they were just knocking cosplays out of the park left and right. And I was just like, I don't really feel like doing that and it was actually just because I didn't really have a space to share it with like I found the online so presence not quite as engaging as when you go to a convention and you see what people are making and it's really like oh my god that thing they've made is so cool I want to ask them how they made it and all that kind of thing I wasn't getting that in online spaces in the same way and it wasn't until we started opening up and I finally went to a convention again I was like oh yeah I really like this (laughs) (laughs) let me go and make something ridiculous uh, and then I started a costume that still isn't finished <laughs> because it became um, literally I came out of lockdown went I'm gonna make this character it'll be a nice easy build and I'll I'll have it finished by the new year <laughs> it's now it's now 18 months later and that nice easy build turned out to be a lie a complete lie <laughs> but it was I wasn't gonna feel like that until I talked with other people and had a nice time and you know engaged with what they were doing and I think that's part of it. You can talk about like how, oh, you shouldn't do your craft for popularity. You shouldn't do it for likes. You shouldn't do it for comments, all that kind of stuff. 
And I don't think that's what no, it is. It's, it's actually yeah. people do their craft because they want interaction, they want engagement, and they want connection, yeah. right? That thing of... Like, I didn't post my you, scarf online for likes, but wearing it... Mm working on it while I was, you know, surrounded. We would go to um, the, because I, I grew up in Orange Park, Florida, which did not have like loads of coffee shops in the way that the UK does. Um, so we had to go to Starbucks. Um, and oh. so we would go to a Starbucks and we would knit together sometimes when we wanted to do it outside of the classroom setting. Yeah. And so we would do that a lot as we would go there and we would just sit in the corner of the Starbucks and all have our knitting out and be knitting together and it was always when I, I was always kind of like oh I want to show them the progress I've made on this or you know and then it, it real world likes <laughs> yeah <laughs> analog likes of someone going I like yeah. that <laughs> I think when you post and you I guess because the digital format is the thing that we it's the easiest way to reach out to people I think people do post those things on there because they they want to find the people who are going to be yeah. the people who get it. Because it, you might not have, and, your yeah. knitting group might not have those people that liked. I mean, I think I lucked out because I was in high school when I was I was yeah. learning this. And the, the only people who were high school kids that were interested in learning how to knit were the nerds. Like, I, you weren't going to get some jock that's like, yeah, sure, I'm interested in knitting. Like, that just wasn't going to happen <laughs> in high school. Um, and so I could imagine that for those... I mean, making friends and as an adult is a lot harder because you don't have those inbuilt systems of everyone that's kind of in this environment's going to mesh together. And that's where the online yeah. environment can be super wonderful because then you do find those people that can connect with you and go, oh, I also like knitting and Tolkien and therefore love your scarf and want to know more about it. Yeah. Um, and then that's how you can do it. And there's a lot of websites that are inbuilt for it. Like I know um, there's a website called Revelry for people who don't know. It's a really, really massive one for knitting and crocheting specifically. Although I don't know if they've got other things now. They do. They have patterns on there. Oh, yeah, because well. you can so you can because, buy patterns yeah. from people if they've made one. A lot of people put stuff up for free because why not? Um, and in fact, I think I'm trying to remember whether the um, the words, the Elvish words, were a pattern that I found on Revelry, or if I found those somewhere else. Um, and mm. then I modified it slightly to fit the length of the scarf or the width of the scarf that I wanted. Um, and I think technically I'm missing one of the lengths of the words of the saying because I was getting tired. Um, <laughs> and it's already quite, quite lengthy, so I think it was fine. I mean, you're not going for a Doctor Who vibe there, really, are you? You don't want to be like yeah. <laughs> wrapping it around a hundred times. Um, but yeah, then there was a, there's another one that I'm going to try to get back into knitting again by doing something similar where instead of... Um, the the one ring um there's a pattern that i found on revelry that's the um entire story of the hobbit but told through Ooh. like the drawings that are really similar to the drawings that are on like the map oh, that's so, so i'm cool. i'm really excited about that one and i just haven't gotten around to buying mm. the yarn and stuff for it but i it would be a nice way for me to get back into to knitting is to do that yeah. one I'm excited by that. That makes me like, whoa. What so I can show it off to you, I guess. You, you'll be my real world likes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, ah. <laughs> to be fair, I try and, like, I'm not really a social media person, as, as we know. Not anymore, anyway. Um, and every so often I'll just go onto Instagram and just be there, like, like, like. <laughs> 
What's Vivian put up today? Oh, sat in a coffee shop. <laughs> yes, my Instagram is just various pictures of coffees next to my computer. <laughs> I feel really bad. It's but, a good you know, vibe. It's what my life is. It's hard to write put writing on the internet unless it's the fanfic thing. And uh, no, uh, that's that's kind of an entire. Like we said, we're not going to talk about that too much. I've already skewed too much into <laughs> cosplay, and I didn't mean to. It was just my only connection point of talking about this. Um, but it is. I think that's why we're seeing more of the 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 digital media, the your YouTube videos, uh, fan cam yeah. kind of stuff happening. And it's because. A, it's, I think, actually easier to do quickly, if that makes sense. That's not quite what I mean. It's more like, in a lot of ways, traditional crafts take a lot of time. And that's not to say that digital crafts don't, they do, but they often also have inbuilt things into the apps or the programs that have been designed by other people to help you do something quicker because they had to do it the long way and then they've worked out, oh, actually, I could if I program this like this, it will make it easier for other people which is great and I think is a really, really good thing because actually it means that more and more people are able to access those programs and use them without having to spend 10 years learning how to do yeah. a skill. Um, and so it means that I think that's why we're getting a lot more things like your your YouTube videos of compilations, which have always mm. been popular, let's be fair. Like the moment you could do AMVs, people were doing AMVs, even with like digital, uh, not digital, like analog tape and stuff, people were doing that. But you can do more and more of them, the more the easier it is to get access to those things. Like, they're all over TikTok. They're all over YouTube. And I think that's really cool because what it does is it allows people to make something in a relatively quick period of time that they like, that they can put out to other fans who will then engage with them and they'll be able to be like, oh my God, I've done this. I use this program in this way. Have what you know you could do this or i love this fandom could you show me how you did this or all that kind of stuff you get your likes you get your engagement with people who are like you and you're being creative at the same time and you can do it sort of in a really interesting way and you can play around with those programs because they have unlike traditional crafts which i think traditional crafts when you're wanting to change patterns when you're wanting to add things you do have to kind of think oh god how am I going to do this has somebody else already done it and hunt for it whereas a program is less it's probably inbuilt into the system that you can play with it I say this is somebody who doesn't do a huge amount of digital media and there's probably people out there who are going to be like what are you talking about yeah I have to my (laughs) husband is actually into doing digital art um in fact I have to Hmm. share my um my desk with his tablet um, so for, for anyone who has seen in like my vlogs and stuff, a drawing tablet, I don't do that. That's my, <laughs> that's my husband. I'm very unskilled <laughs> in art. So I'd have to ask him, but I know that, uh, he sometimes struggles with certain things, but I think that's more of a confidence thing rather mm. than anything else. And I don't know if he was able to connect to God, I hope he doesn't listen to this and then critiques me on my own views of him. Um, but, uh, when I, I think he would do really well to have some kind of connection between the art that he wants to make and some kind of other fandom and then a community to share that with, because I think that would help give him that confidence that right now he doesn't have. Because exactly like doing art is in and of, in and of itself a scary thing. Putting yourself out there is a scary thing. If you have a community who can support you in that because they like, you know, that's why I think these things like AMVs and 
video music videos fan cams and stuff are very very popular because you can improve on them but from the get-go you're going to engage with people who want to encourage you they're you know i think they are a really good way of engaging with a fandom or a community that you can be like i want to contribute to and i want to be part of this and i want to be creative and then for them to be then encouraged into other forms of creativity through that which is awesome and i love it because i think actually if you can find something i don't want to say these things are easy they're not i know they're hard but if you can find something that works for you that is easy for your brain or engages your brain in a way that means you can do that quickly you're going to get a lot more pleasure out of learning more skills along the way because you've got people there to support you in doing it so i struggle with knitting because i just can't get my head around it and so i'm not going to sit and struggle through knitting something when i could go and do something i find much more pleasurable like embroidery and be like oh yeah actually this made me happy today doing this (laughs) like i don't do phone work for exactly the same reason god damn it no (laughs) i hate it but If I can do painting, I love painting. One of the other um, skill, well, art things that I really like to do is cross-stitching, which I actually uh, have a really massive... I realized once I had already put down on on our notes that I was going to do my scarf, I was like, I do have in my office right next to me a giant cross-stitching that that I made, (laughs) um, which is huge. It took me longer than my PhD, which to be fair is probably because (laughs) I was doing a PhD at the same time, but still... (laughs) I finished it after my PhD. Um, But it's a massive cross-stitching of the kid from one of my very favorite video games, Bastion. Um, And I remember uh, when I first shared that I had, like, oh, I'm working on this thing, and I took a picture of it. It's so huge that I had to, like, you know, stand on top of a thing to take a photo of it. And somebody thought I was slowly drawing it because it was so far Mm. off that they couldn't see the stitches. Um, which I was like, why would I be doing like really detailed for like half of it? And then there's just a strong line where like, <laughs> cause I work on it in pages of the pattern. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, uh, I'm doing another really big one right now of, uh, Legend of Zelda. It's the artwork from the DLC where mm. he's fighting a Lionel and the Lionel's really big yeah. on top and he's like the tiny mm-hmm. thing, right? And it's all blue and I'm really excited. So do you do... Because I really only know about cross-stitching where it's sort of pre-printed. Um, like a bit sort of... Oh, right. So it's like, of, like the ones doing, that are you're on doing the, the pack. Yeah, yeah. But you're doing it with blank fabric following the stitch Yeah, numbers. so there's two different ways of doing it. Oh, that's even harder. Yeah. <laughs> there's two different ways of doing cross-stitch. Now this is turning into a cross-stitch cast. Um, but there's, <laughs> there's two different ways of doing cross-stitching. One is where it's printed on the actual fabric. Um, and then mm-hmm. there's another one where you have a blank sheet in front of you and then you have a piece of paper that has like, it. it's you're more useful because you can make the grid bigger, um, but it'll co- each little square of the grid will correspond to one of the stitch marks. And it's got a symbol yeah. and that symbol corresponds to a color. That's so I have, I think the one that I'm currently working on is 16 pages. For, and then so each I would just work from it one page at a time and I use a pencil to yeah. like color in the stitches that I've already done so I know um, I find the printed on ones harder because I can't differentiate colors very well so to me it's nice to have it's just a symbol and it's like that symbol corresponds to this number mm. 
color and then I've got a box that has all the threads with their numbers on it so I can just pull them out yeah that's fascinating that's not what this no. podcast is about but I I'm I'm literally sat here like I'll show you I'll show you I'll bring it to Reading one day yeah, or something yeah. and I'll, I'll show it to you we'll have a fun crafty day um <laughs> But that, I, that sort of thing's really interesting, though, because actually you, you're you doing that because you enjoy doing it. But would you enjoy doing it in the same way if it was a picture of a robin? Well, yeah, because I think I did. When I got into cross-stitching at the beginning, that's what it is. Because you got to learn yeah. somehow. You know, you can't mm. start with a massive picture of the kid. Like, it's just too <laughs> overwhelming to do that. And I think, like, the yeah. first one I did was, like, a little kit that you can get given that's, like, a little smiley face or something. Mm. Um, and it was okay. And I did like a really big one at one point. Um, I mean, big for at the time, it was nowhere near the size of some of the ones that I'm doing now. That was like a generic photo. Cause you can get these kits on just like craft stores that are all, yeah. and I did a couple of those and they were okay. And I thought it was all right, but I wasn't super into it. And it wasn't until I found a program where you could insert a photo and it would generate it into a cross stitch pattern for you. So that's how I got the kid pattern. I just took a photo of... The, that's the, the image of the kid, um, for people who didn't see it, is... Which is everyone. Um, <laughs> but the image of the kid that I used is the image that's on the front of the soundtrack. Because it's the kid wearing headphones. We'll put a link in the show notes so yes, people can see. we'll do. Um, but yeah, so there's a, a... He's wearing headphones, and I really liked that image. And so I just, you know, found it online and then put it through this this program and it generated the pattern for me um which mm. is why I won't sell the pattern because it's not my image but uh, <laughs> yeah but yeah so it meant that I then had this huge pattern of an image that I liked from a thing that I really love I love the soundtrack to this video game it's one of my favorite soundtracks it's one of the reasons why I love the game so much and so it was really amazing to just be able to sit and cross-stitch this whole thing. And it's really opened up cross-stitching to me. I've been able to do some... I've got so many projects lined up and they're all things from my various fandoms. And to do yeah. a real deep dive, one of the images that I have is from a YouTube channel called Drawfee, who do fan art things sometimes and art from, you know, that kind of really traditional fan yeah. art stuff. And there's an image that I really love of one of them. And I found the image online and I generated a cross-stitch pattern of it. So I'm doing a cross-stitch fan art of a fan art. <laughs> from a from YouTube, a YouTube video. video. <laughs> <laughs> and I, Because I think that actually that thing we were talking about with community is I do not believe in any way, shape or form that I would have bothered to learn to sew to the capacity I have, if at all if it hadn't been for the fact that I really, really wanted to cosplay. And when I started cosplaying, buying costumes was just not a thing you could do. Like, they didn't... Like, the shops and stuff you have now didn't exist. You could vaguely order things from China, but it was a risk and you didn't know what you were getting and it was very expensive. And... Because they were, you know, they weren't proper storefronts or anything. It was just on eBay. I wanted to make, I wanted costumes so badly, I wanted them badly enough that I learnt to make them myself. I, I wonder actually now, it, with the fact that if I was somebody with that, I want the costumes now kind of attitude that I have, whether I, if I was becoming a cosplayer now, if I'd bother to learn to sew, because I could just mm. buy them. I don't know. But I found a craft that I loved because I was compelled by a community that I wanted to be part of, like my fanness was like, I want this, 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 this particular branch of artistic endeavor and creative endeavor 
is something that I want to put enough of my time and effort into to learn how to do. Like, I I would also hold my hands up to the fact that I am not particularly good at drawing. I'm fine. I'm good enough. I'm quite good at technical drawings for doing cosplay now, for obvious reasons. Uh, which is weird, because I have an art degree. But <laughs> There are many different types of uh, art. Exactly. But drawing is not necessarily my forte. And even though I tried for years and years and years to get better at drawing, I could not, for some reason, I, I couldn't break through the barrier to get to a point where I was happy with that. Whereas then with sewing, within maybe two or three years, I managed that. I managed to get to a point that I was really happy and I was able to take on much more advanced techniques and things. And I wonder whether that is actually because there was a community supporting mm. me in it who were impre- like, oh my God, you should do this. We should try this. Oh, let's talk about it. Enthused in that same way of you making your scarf or, you know, doing the cross stitch. That had I not had that support, it clearly wasn't like my own encouragement of myself wasn't enough. Um, I don't know. It's just an interesting thing to think about that, how much creativity comes from, I think a lot of it's self-generated. I don't, I think you do need that, that urge to yeah. do it. But how much of that is added to and in, like grown bigger w- because there are other people and other, whether they are other crafters or other people within the fandom who are like, oh my God, I'd love to see you do this. Who you can kind of feedback loop to each other, yeah. basically. I mean, it is, we are social beings, whether or not we enjoy mm. the social aspects of life or not. Does it matter? We are social beings at the end of the day. And that's, you know, that's embedded in a lot of what we're doing and talking about mm. in general, and especially here, is that doing, I mean, a lot of things like knitting and sewing is a very solitary act. Um, but then you go right back as far as you can go with human history and you sewing and knitting groups and all this sort of stuff, people would sit around in the Regency era and have, and sew together because that was something you'd be yeah. chatting and you'd sew, you know? And that goes back and back and back and back because it can be solitary, but actually it's quite a good carrier. Yeah, because that's having a bit it's of what a I was going to say. Is it, it, it's <laughs> one of those acts where on its surface, it, it feels very solitary. I mean, one of the reasons why I like cross-stitching is because I can just sit on the couch and do it. Um, but I enjoy that process of it more than I enjoy sewing because I can sit on the couch next to my husband and watch him play video games or we can watch a show together. Although he doesn't like when I do other things when we're watching a show together. So we don't do that as much. (laughs) Um, but I'm able to engage with him actively while sitting on the couch cross-stitching in a way that I can't do or knitting that I can't do when I'm sewing or I can't do when writing. Um, but I can do when doing this stuff. So yeah, there's that sense of, even though he's not sewing with me, it still provides that avenue of a socialization. I used to knit. You're sort of doing that body doubling thing, aren't you? Yeah. I used to knit in class um, during my undergrad, which is why I can't remember whether I did this in undergrad or not. Um, But I I used to knit in class because it was, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm probably some type of neurodivergent, but I have a real difficult time focusing on things when I'm not doing something else at the same time. We've talked before about how I watch reality TV while I work and I write because my brain cannot just write. It, it drives me crazy. I would be, there's a part of my head that is constantly thinking about other things. And if I can put that brain on screaming women on reality TV, then I'm able to not be distracted by it jumping to everything else. 
And I find that fascinating and it's totally not the topic, but because I have to shut that piece of my brain off by using like, um, I listen to ASMR or like uh, ambient sounds while I'm writing because I have to make that bit be quiet. And so we're going to give it quiet things to do. (laughs) I have to give it equally loud things. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to shut up now, brain. It has to be a specific type of show. And I think reality TV is perfect for it because it's very formulaic. I don't have to pay attention to every single word because they're going to repeat things eight times. Um, soap yeah. operas. I used to watch soap operas, and that was again really perfect for it because it's very repetitive. They're gonna repeat things. If I miss something, but that's, I kind of feel like that's almost the equivalent of ambient yeah. sound, right? Like <laughs> ambient sound, despite the fact that it's quiet, is repetitive noise. Yeah, you just get it the continue- constant so yeah. people arguing about something on Love Island all the time, and yeah. it's fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I when I was in class, obviously I can't watch reality TV while I'm in class. Like that's just not a possibility. So um, I would knit because again, it was a thing to occupy that part of my brain. And then the other part of my brain could pay attention. And I had a couple of lectures that at first were like, what are you doing? But I was able to, because all of my classes were uh, seminar style. So we would just be sat around talking. Mm. It meant that I was more easily able to pay attention and partake in the conversation because I wasn't then daydreaming about something else. My That part of my brain was focusing on the knitting. So, yeah, there's that weird thing where I was basically trying to get all this to say that there is something <laughs> about doing stuff that helps you be social, especially if you have a very specific way that your brain works. And I know that not everyone's yeah. brain is weird. Um, but for people whose brain is weird, it can be super useful for social situations to have something that you're sitting on the couch cross-stitching or you're sitting in the Mm -hmm. lecture room knitting because that actually helps you be more social in the space. Yeah. And I think also you end up with that thing of, particularly for me, if I, if I'm struggling to be social, I can kind of tell people about my, what, I could be like, oh, you do the sewing too. Mm. We can talk about sewing together. That's given me a topic of conversation that is safe and easy and both of us know what we can do. And then the other stuff happens because we've talked about those things, which I think is great. And again, I think that thing, that's what I was talking about with the, if you make, let's say, I don't know, you make a really cool song and that's a very difficult thing to do, but you make a really cool song, you put it out there and other people are like, oh my God, you made this really cool song. How did you make that? What did you do? What program did you use to do this? Or you've got a topic of conversation to link in with people who maybe you wouldn't have been able to link in with before. And crafting, like we said right at the top of this, is 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 a carrier for other things. Like it is in and of itself a cool hobby and then your craft can allow you to carry more uh, topics of conversation alongside it because you don't necessarily connect with the people you're just knitting with you, you connect with the anime nerds yeah. you knit you know and so it, it's really I think you're completely right in that I would I like that it's a thing that we can kind of do in a space with other people that being said I will forcibly make anybody leave the room when I'm sewing because I need to not be distracted like go <laughs> leave me be uh, but when I'm in doing embroidery that's not the same it doesn't even matter what the embroidery is I'll be sat there like ah bah. But the sewing, for some reason, nobody can be in the space. And I don't know why. (laughs) (laughs) One of the things that I've always really enjoyed about knitting and and cross-stitching and stuff, and I I think I mentioned in the the Tolkien Society episode that my mother-in-law was cross-stitching a bag for the Tolkien Society. So whenever I go over... I mean, they're very classic. They're Quaker British people, which means that they're very quiet and 
their sense of being together is just quietly sitting in the same room <laughs> and that drives me nuts. But um, one of the things that's really helpful for it is that because his mother is super into crafting and stuff, she encourages me to bring my things. So I bring my cross stitching or my knitting with me and then we'll just sit on the couch. And then uh, his brother's uh, girlfriend started bringing her stuff over. And so then we have like a little knitting Ooh. corner of like the yeah. mom with these like <laughs> these these it's new so members of the fashioned. family that are slowly joining yeah. her in the crafting corner of the living room and that makes me that literally just feels like you should have like a candle and like a little fire <laughs> and it's also nice because like <laughs> obviously like his mom's also a nerd so like she's not just cross-stitching a, a robin which again i would still enjoy mm. and because again we have that at least one connection but she's cross-stitching yeah. a tree of gondor on a tolkien society bag and so then it's like well now i you have those two levels of connection with her yeah. and that probably helped her like me like <laughs> <laughs> and also she'll like if you you're knitting your hobbit scarf that you're gonna do she's gonna be really interested in that because it's yeah. got that tolkien thing even if she's not necessarily a knitter herself but it might encourage her as somebody who does other forms of fiber craft to be like oh show me how you've done this which brings that engagement like having one form of connection is not a bad thing because it can help you lead to other yeah, forms it's the of gateway connection. drug <laughs> yeah absolutely that's exactly what we're saying crafts are gateway drugs and you should spend exactly the same amount of money on them as you would on drugs because let's be fair that's how it's much so it costs expensive. that's why i haven't bought the the oh, yarn so yet for the, for the thing yeah it, I, i've been sewing in one way or another for longer than i'm actually going to admit now that i've worked it out in my head um and so with my family, a lot of my fa- my aunt is an incredible textiles artist, like absolutely incredible, which means I have this added benefit of I can steal fabric from her or my mother if I need to, and they can steal stuff from me and we have a big hoard. Um, and I think that's the, the other thing is if you have a community group is I actually have friends who we do fabric swaps together because fabric's expensive. And if you have stuff that you're not going to use... Go and mm. shop, you know, swap it with somebody else or give it to them, just gift it to them, you know, because it is an expensive thing. And obviously sometimes you, you know, you can't afford to do that. And that's fair enough. I'm not going to tell people just to give stuff away. But that community connection of like, hey, why don't we all get together and essentially have a big bring and buy where, you know, you give me a quid for a piece of fabric I'm never going to use is brilliant. And uh, I like the fact that a lot of the online sort of what I would call learning circles to do with cosplay, things like she props. I'm going to do a lot about she props at some point because it's one of the best cosplay groups around. Um, they do that. And like, I think once a month they have a thing where people can post like, I've got this spare stuff. Does anybody want it? And we'll work out postage and things, which I think is great. That's so brilliant. Like to have those community groups actively, not just encouraging learning from each other, but sharing with each other in a very physical way as well is, is so good for your social <laughs> Your your good your human brain your little monkey brain that wants to be friends with people it's great <laughs> you know and that sort of stuff is when you have an expensive hobby actually makes those bonds stronger because other people are acknowledging that this is a difficult thing and it's not necessarily something that everyone can financially engage with but if you can help with each other get over that kind of hill of something be like oh I can't finish this costume because I can't afford this fabric right now and somebody else is able to be like oh I've got fabric like that uh, I don't need it it's been sitting in my cupboard for like two years why don't you have it or give me a fiver for it or something that's great 
that's really really positive and gives people good happy warm fuzzy feelings inside yeah. you know <laughs> that they've been able to finish their thing their communities supported them in it not just with likes or in-person likes or whatever but actually with a physical capacity so if what we were talking about like oh if you sat me down and we spent a day learning to knit that would be like this is a really good we've improved our bond we've got happy little plus points on the sims or whatever because you know you've shown me how to do it there's a there's a thing of like the physicality of that which i think is just as important as as the oh i like this or the pressing a like yeah. button if not more important you know encouragement is good and sharing is good please do these things i think one of the things that's really fascinating to me as a scholar of pop culture is when you get into creativity and yes i do analyze myself sometimes um but when you do these aspects of creativity how much knowledge and engagement you have to have with I'm going to use the phrase original text just yeah. for lack of a book because I know it doesn't have to be a text. <laughs> it could be a movie or a TV show or a YouTube channel or a podcast. We're using it as an yes. umbrella term. It's all um, and yeah. I because you have to have a lot of knowledge about it, not only from the perspective of just knowing enough and liking it enough to say I want to make a scarf out of it. But also then knowing what kinds of things to include on it or, you know, like initially this was supposed to be just a Tree of Gondor scarf. And then I went, oh, I should probably throw something else on it. I know what I'd throw on it, this other thing. And then I had to go and find that rather than stumbling into Mm -hmm. it. Although you can still stumble into it. But sometimes you need to have that really deep knowledge of it and then as you are creating, you're kind of, even though I'm not watching Lord of the Rings as I'm knitting the scarf, although I did sometimes, um, you are still engaging with Lord of the Rings as you're knitting the scarf because Mm -hmm. you're knitting a Lord of the Rings scarf. Or insert your fandom and thing here. Yeah. So I would say, because, again, I'm sorry. Yes, it's a thing that pops up a lot in cosplay as well. Yeah, (laughs) it is, because I would say, the question I make at the moment for anybody who has not seen my obsessive posting on Tumblr about it, is uh, Cal Kestis from uh, Jedi Fallen Order. Specifically, the ridiculous poncho. Um, And I did so much research into working out what... Because it's a video game, and so you don't have the physicality of what they've actually made the thing out of. um, Like, what those fabrics would be because of the job that he's doing the place that he lives the like level in society he's at like all of those things that kind of make the character's personality and stuff come together are just as important in the costume because if i made so he's a he's a scrapper he's hiding from the empire like he's he doesn't have money or time or headspace and like you know he's not in a good position he's not going to be wearing silk like he's going to be wearing very hardy fabrics that can take a hit that he doesn't matter if it rips he can repair them all of that kind of stuff and you can see that in the in the game and you can see it in like the models and stuff that these are pieces of fabric or clothing that has taken Mm. a lot of beatings and so you have to consider all of those elements and so just me sitting and researching i'm constantly thinking about like so would this work would that be able to stand up to this type of treatment that he's going to have that really does not exist in in the real world because it's Star Wars and it's space fantasy. 
uh, you know, would I be able to run for a Wookiee forest in this item of clothing? Like that kind of stuff is the things that weirdly, like you said, I could have been sat there watching Star Wars. I haven't really been watching Star Wars while making it because I'd want to watch Star Wars. Um, <laughs> I'd be like, oh, cosplay what? Jedi. Um, but for me, like thinking about that is just as much, like you said, engaging with the fandom and the fan element because I'm considering all the aspects of it. And that's not true of everybody. It's true for me. It's my engagement with it as an individual that helps me as an individual become closer to the original text to the source material right um and i think that's the same thing you were saying is oh i wanted to consider what more could connect with this item i'm making to the source material and while you don't necessarily need to consider fabric choices you did need to consider a like aesthetic uh look and decisions and things like that and i think that's is that am i going no, off no, on a complete you're right. tangent and, and that's, that's point. where Good. i was getting you have to really <laughs> Whether you are choosing what is important to pick as a pattern or whether you are making the pattern or the thing, that all involves a deep knowledge of the text. And then also the act of creating it is that continual engagement with it. And like I said, this has popped up a lot in cosplay, which again, I know we'll talk about cosplay later, but it intersects. And the people (laughs) that I talk to who are cosplayers that I've been interviewing talk about that a lot of like, you know, I, I... I kept thinking about this character as I was making this costume or as I was doing this thing. It wasn't just, or as I was designing the makeup for the people who bought costume, they spent a lot of time on their makeup and really thinking about how the makeup is, is put together. And that is another thing. That's another art that you have to really consider. Okay. Like you said, like how would this person's makeup actually be? And would they be using these kinds of things? Should I be using this thing to make myself look more like this thing? And the melding of not only the text material, but also how you as an individual fit into that text material because you are going to be either wearing it or, well, yeah, because wearing it or putting it up on your wall in your office or something like that, you have to think about how you intersect with it as well. How it becomes part of, it does become yeah. part of you. It's, it's you know, there is something about all of these forms of art, no matter which one you look at, that, is putting part of your soul on the page right you're kind of being very open and honest about something and that's i think possibly why it's difficult to share it in the first place because you want to be like hey i made a thing and please don't please don't hate me please like the thing please don't hate me um there's so much of that involved in it because it does take up when you're a fan of something that thing becomes a part of who you are and we are going to talk about this a lot more at some point you can't you particularly if you're a fan of something for a long time it it sort of seeds itself into your personality and you can't get rid of it not however much you try (laughs) can you get rid of it um and it's it becomes a very important part of your self-image um and if somebody then comes on goes oh that's shit i hate that that's hurtful right and i think that's it with this art with the creations that you make you're you're putting some of yourself your self-image into it and so the community aspect builds you up makes you feel better and you make those very strong connections or the likes are like oh yeah you you validated this part of me it's not just i want to make pretty art no art is i want to make pretty art i don't think uh, I mean, maybe, some art yeah. is that. but <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah that's true but i think there is an element of whatever you create is particularly with fan things because you have again it's two elements of the same whole 
you have the I'm a fan of this and so it's part of me and I created this so it's part of me and those two things combined is explosive if people say new yeah. things you know people, it's going to be very upsetting uh, and I think that's that's a big part of what what all of this is is that that very element of self that comes yeah. into it you want to show off that social body of yours in a way while also being quite cautious of it like um one of the scarfs that i made was uh, a harry potter scarf before uh, in the before days um and because uh, again this was one that i made when i was like in high school and uh, I learned this technique of knitting that's called illusion knitting. So it looks like it's striped when you're just looking at it face on. And then if I tilted the scarf, there would be an image that would appear. Um, and I thought it was really cool. So I made a whole scarf of it with the Death Eater mark on either end. So it looks like it's just a black and green striped scarf. But then when you tilt it, it's got the the dark mark on on either side. Yeah. Um, and I really loved it and I was super proud of it, but then I realized that no one, when I'm just wearing the scarf, can see the mark thing, the whole, the whole thing that took forever and was really complicated and really cool. No one can see it. And so I don't wear that (laughs) scarf anymore. (laughs) Not seeing the work I put into this, how dare you? Yeah. Yeah. I think maybe, maybe it's, maybe it's us. Maybe it's the people we are that we that we want a bit more of that. Like, look what I did! Oh my god, I'm so proud of it. Because I'm sure there are other people who maybe that's not the end goal for them. But you're right. You know, if you don't get that, Uh, I have a perfect example of this. Uh, You've seen my BB-8 costume. Mm. I think I was wearing it the day we met. Uh, (laughs) I spent a huge amount of time designing, making, thinking about the costume. Really, you know, it, it it took a long time. And I wore it to Star Wars Celebration the first time I went to Star Wars Celebration. And I was thinking, oh my god, people are going to love this costume. It had had a great reaction online. It had gone like weirdly viral across Reddit and stuff like that. Um, I got nothing. Absolutely nothing. Nobody wanted to take my picture. And it's because it wasn't a canon costume. And so the fans who I was engaging with at Star Wars Celebration were not the fans who appreciated the fact that I'd gone out of my way and done something that was different from what they expected Mm. um and i found that really it was quite depressing because (laughs) i spent a long time making this thing and then i've worn it to other conventions i still wear it a lot it's one of my favorite costumes i've ever made and it does for the most part get a really good reaction people really like it but i'd thought in the setting of the big star wars event it would get (gasps) wow this is a really cool costume you know something and to get nothing at all like I, and I mean literally yeah. nothing I didn't get a single person take a picture of me or anything was really really disheartening especially considering that like I was with my friends who were doing canon costumes and stuff and they were being stopped all the time and that hurts it really does hurt after a while because you can't stop yourself human jealousy and stuff it's natural I don't I don't feel bad for my friends getting their picture taken but it, I would they're like oh not me not me okay um and that's a difficult thing to do and so that same thing of like people weren't seeing the work and the effort you'd put into your scarf you can show it for whatever reason i was getting the same feeling of like i put work and effort into this and people aren't appreciating it because they're not understanding it or they're not seeing it in the same way and i think that's a very that's a very difficult part of creation particularly within we should we should do an episode about my experiences of cosplay maybe one day uh, which would be more self-reflective. But um, that was... I've only cosplayed once at a con, 
And that was my experience. No one said anything. No one did anything. And there was, when I was going there, I was like, oh, you know, I'm so shy. And this is my first time. And I don't think I'd want anyone stopping me or bringing attention to it. And then after a while, I was like, why is no one bringing attention to it? Why is no one, even though I don't think I would have, I would have felt comfortable with it. I still wanted it. <laughs> and I, I really get that. Cause I think with some things, when I make stuff, I, I err on the obscure end of things with pretty much everything I do anyway, so that's fine. Um, but even with my writing and stuff, I'm like, oh, why aren't people appreciating my writing as much as, say, that other person's writing? And it, it, it happens. Yeah. It's not nobody's not nobody's fault. Not nobody's fault. What the hell am I talking about? It's not anybody's fault. Um, and you just have to kind of push through it and be like, just do the next thing. Whatever. We'll see. But I actually think it's more exciting when you're kind of in that headspace of like, oh, nobody's... And somebody runs up to you and goes, oh my god, this is brilliant! You know, my best cosplay experiences are the ones where I've had most of the day with people being like, don't really get this, and then one person gets it. See, this is... Super excited. This is what I had to tell myself, and this is what I have to tell myself a lot of the time with a lot of things, is I'm personally not the kind of person that goes up to a cosplayer and is like, oh my god... I love it. It would take a lot for me to do that. I mean, I did it a lot during this project because I was then trying to get them to talk to me about cosplay stuff. But just enjoying it, I probably wouldn't do that because that's just not the kind of person I am. So I always have to think of myself in in these positions whenever I'm then regretting that no one came up to me. It's like, well, there might have been people who saw me and went, oh, I, oh that person's this thing that I like. And then they didn't but they didn't come up to me. And that doesn't mean that Mm. no one saw it and didn't like it or whatever. It just means that maybe the people who did weren't the kind of people to do that. But it also is encouraging me to maybe the next time I go to a con to be a bit more upfront when I do like a cosplay to be like, Hey, I like that because I don't know whether they've been getting that a lot or not. And that's true in digital spaces as well. I think like I, for a long time, didn't comment on people's works. You know, I'd just kind of be a bit of a lurker and be like, oh, yeah. I didn't necessarily even leave a like. I'd kind of be like, I like that, and maybe share it to a friend to look at it, but I wouldn't necessarily give a visceral reaction, not visceral, but, like, a, a reaction that could be measured. Um, and I realised that I didn't like it when I wasn't getting comments and stuff on my stuff, and so I was like, oh, I have to put out what yeah. I want to get back. And I think that's the thing that with a lot of this creative stuff. So remember to like and share this podcast with... (laughs) There it is. (laughs) The whole episode leading up to this. To like, hey, it doesn't matter that we talk nonsense for an hour. To shill our stuff. (laughs) But it does, it comes right back to that community thing of that's why you go to a community space because A, you want to learn the thing. B, there are other people that are doing the thing. And C, they will give you that. I don't want to use the term validation, but that's kind of what it is, to continue doing the thing because they're giving you feedback. And all of those things are important to doing the craft. And I think that's why I really want to see more people do stuff like knitting and crochet and the digital art forms that are a bit more... We didn't talk about Nerdcore at all, and it's probably a good thing because I would go off on one about it. (laughs) Um, I love it so much. Uh, And, like, all of those kind of things which are a bit more... I'm going to put in inverted commas weird that, you know, they're not your necessarily your standard fan works in the same way. Um, 
because do, the more you encourage people in doing whatever it is that they connect they love doing that connects them with fandom the more varied it's going to be the broader the community is going to be and more fun for everybody and i want to learn how to knit now because then i could i'll try to stuff. teach you <laughs> yay i can use it for i haven't tried purposes. to teach knitting since i was 18 but i will do my best <laughs> i'll just be sat there like can't do the i'll poke my I ended eyes up out teaching my high school I boyfriend's sister how to knit by using analogies of stabbing people <laughs> so i can find your in <laughs> We're going to do it. I'm holding you to this. Uh, if you enjoyed this, please like, subscribe, share, all those sorts of things that we just told you to do. Please do them because <laughs> Give it is us really the social validations us. of our creative endeavor. Please. Um, and uh, I'm really looking forward to coming back and doing another one. I, I know we've got some really weird topics coming up because we just progressively get stranger as yeah. we go. That's fun. <laughs> Uh, links are in the show notes for any further reading and all of our social media stuff because we, we're just shilling ourselves now just more more of please <laughs> <laughs> um, and we will see you next time bye bye thanks for listening remember to like review and subscribe wherever you listen to this podcast and do give it a share Tell your friends, family and fellow fans and get the word out. You can follow us on social media, links in the show notes, as are some links to further reading. Who doesn't like a reading list? We are nerds after all. Music for this episode was Nowhere Land by Kevin MacLeod, licensed under Creative Commons Attribute 3.0. This episode was produced by Vivian Azamos and Holly Swinyard. one of the things that's <laughs> sorry i don't know what that sound is <laughs>